Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Did you guys know that it was with the the humidity today, 110 Fahrenheit? At yes. one point? Yes, because I was out for four hours of it. Why were you outside? Uh, Mika wanted to go play hockey at the outdoor rink at the crack of stupid this morning. And then I had to do a crap ton of yard work today. It was great. That's when you tell her, you tell her that you don't do that during a heat wave and that's life. Yeah. We didn't last very long there. So it's all right. I you actually were out doing yard work today. Yes. What's wrong with you? No, thank you. So many things. Yeah. Evan says that he just got back from the golf course. Oh, I didn't uh, enjoy the heat at all. I've gone <laughs> what, what, through like four golf clubs in in two and a half weeks. I've had the same one for like four years. Mine is is a shade of a darker shade of blue now. It makes no sense. It's disgusting. <laughs> I don't do well in the heat. I was uh, I was telling you guys earlier about like you know a frustrating day I had at work, and then I was just downstairs. I'm like, why don't I feel any better? And I was like, it's hot. It's hot inside and it's hotter outside and I can't do anything about it. We finally went for a walk at like 8 p.m. And it was only maybe like 90 degrees. And you There's guys no escape ha- unless you have air conditioning. No, not at all. Anyhow, uh, somewhere closer to the sun than we used to be. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Uh, I am what's left of Ryan Hanna. I am partially Brad Crisco. And I'm the melted version of Evan. Uh, all right. Yeah, the uh, NHL made a little bit of news since the last time we talked. Uh, only a that, little bit. <laughs> in that they just casually said, yeah, yeah, we, we avoided a lockout. Per, yeah, it hasn't been ratified yet, though, right? It hasn't until... Or has it been ratified? No, it hasn't uh, been ratified. I believe so. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Evan will look that up while we uh, discuss it. So the new CBA was agreed to between the um, NHL and NHLPA, and it uh, entails... Um, well, a CBA extension as well as details regarding return to play. So we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about the specific points within the CBA return to play, um, the schedule and everything. Uh, we'll be doing a prospect profile. We'll be getting back to those in this episode and then uh, we'll head over to, uh, overtime. Um, for those who are wondering or who haven't listened yet, uh, we do have our interview with Doug, uh, Doug McLean last episode, um, which was a really fun one. So uh, posted clips of the episode on YouTube, as well as obviously the full episode is available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, the interview is also on YouTube. So uh, go check that out. Appreciate all the feedback you guys had. I'm glad you guys enjoyed Dougie's um, candid nature so much. I went back and listened to what he said about uh, uh, Ovi. <laughs> it made me feel so bad. <laughs> what uh, reg- the nhl look like today <laughs> regardless um the cba so you we've heard this we've heard and seen the same jokes a trillion times on twitter it's not original what i'm about to say at all but of course all it takes is a world ending a worldwide global pandemic to avoid a lockout for the first time because right now we were, or what we had gotten used to as hockey fans was the habit of yeah, there's a CBA deadline coming up. There's almost definitely going to be a lockout. Uh, death taxes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, except this time it wasn't death and taxes. It was it because it, it took 
actual literal global death to avoid it. <laughs> well, uh, it's not it's not anything to scoff at, right? And I think the reason this happened this way um, is because a lot of these issues or points of contention that they would have had are have just been kicked down the road, right? Like, yeah, the NHL players would like a um, you know lowered uh, uh, escrow rate, and the NHL. Uh, the NHL itself would like a controlled cap and things like that. And those things were decided one way or another by the fact that the league isn't getting any revenue right now. So um, as fans preemptively, yeah, it's an exciting time. Like we don't have a a lockout to look forward to. We don't have to have that lingering over us. We don't have to deal with all the stupid drama and optics and, you know, proxy wars and outright wars that happen in the media. And we just get to know what's happening for the years to come in the NHL. So a couple things here. Obviously the fact they got a deal done is good um, because everything's bad. This is not good for the health of the NHL. Uh, It's good for the fans because no lockout. We're happy Um, as much as we Red Wings fans are happy that the salary cap will barely be going up over the course of this CBA again for the league as a whole bad, not good. This is, not healthy. Uh, the real reason that they came to an agreement here was because they looked at the revenues. They saw everything that was going on. They looked at the projections going forward. And then, you know, that gif that circulates on Twitter pretty regularly of Timon and Pumbaa just screaming at each other. That's pretty much the NHLPA and the NHL here. They're just panic screaming. They don't know what to do. So they're just like, yeah, let's just do this and pray it works out for the best. And now we have labor peace for however many more years and uh let's hope they find a way to salvage some money so that uh we don't get a lockout for the exact opposite reason at the end of this one pretty much what happened yeah go ahead sounds like um the voting for the players opened up yesterday um and that voting will close tomorrow so that's when they'll announce what the decision was on the voting um so it's currently Thursday night as we record this. Yeah. So in typical fashion, uh, the news will break once this episode drops. And that's all right. We'll as a tradition Sunday. Yeah. Essentially, what happened was Brad and I are the NHL and NHLPA screaming at each other. And uh, Evan is COVID-19 making us come to an amicable decision. Yes. Evan's just COVID-19 in general. Yes. That's why you're so hated. Yes. Um. Some key details. So we'll go over some key points of the uh, the the proposed CBA. Again, hasn't been ratified yet, but it, I would imagine with how quickly they agreed to it, it will be. It's a simple majority will um, by all the voting members will will dictate whether it's approved or not. Um, first of all, uh, key dates of return. So training camps uh, will open in four days, so on July thirteenth. Um, and teams would have to arrive in their respective hub cities of either Edmonton or Toronto because of those are the two hub cities that they've chosen. Uh, in the end, of course, by July 26th, games would uh, hopefully begin by August 1st. So uh, we're a few weeks out from real hockey games being played, and the way they're scheduling these is awesome, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, if they are able to make make these dates, they believe that the Stanley Cup could be awarded by the first week of October. I think they're planning for October 2nd or 3rd as the last possible date for the Stanley Cup finals. But more importantly, the draft. real Stanley Cup is the draft on October 6th. 
which is a Tuesday, I think. Was that what it was? I don't even care. I'm taking that day off work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a quick take that day off work. Oh, um, that is all I have to look forward to for the rest of this year. Um, so that that's all provided they're able to meet these timelines. None of these timelines are going to be hard-coded into the CBA or any other kind of agreement because anybody who tries to project anything in this world more than six hours away from where they are is stupid. Um, so that's all under ideal circumstances. And then free agency, the new July 1st, will be November 1st. And I believe they're doing away with the interview period before free agent frenzy. They are. So now instead of the legal tampering, we'll just have the good old fashioned illegal tampering. Yeah, which is funny. Um, I don't really understand the rationale behind that. But then again, these separate points haven't been kind of fleshed out in full detail. So I'm sure there was some kind of reasoning for it. Whether it was they don't have the time to kind of facilitate that this time around or or owners and general managers didn't like it in general, that'll come to light, of course, over time. Um, opt-out rules. Uh, any player can opt out of return to play this summer for any reason and suffer no penalty. Um, the I, There's not been written discussion or, or written confirmation about whether players who opt out would receive their share of the playoff pool. I I would imagine not especially if it's like if it's not medical i imagine you wouldn't and the playoff bonus pool was bumped from uh, 16 million it was doubled to 32 million so um just as a quick summary players who lose in the best of five play-ins playoffs the, the qualifying round uh they'll receive 20 grand and the rates would go as high as 240 grand uh, per player for the cup winning team um can we stop calling it the play-in round they confirmed as part of this CBA that all the stats from this play-in round will count as playoff stats, but it's Super. definitely not the playoffs, and a playoff team is not getting Alexi Lafreniere, but all these non-playoff teams and players are going to accumulate playoff stats, you know, in this non-playoff series. God, I hate this league. <laughs> Some goalie's going to have, like... Well, it's stupid. No one ever records like most amount of uh, goalie wins in a playoff run because that's 16. But some goalie is forever going to beat it at 20. Or sorry, uh, 19. No, we won't get that fun. It'll be a Matt Murray, Mark Andre Fleury situation and the winning team is going to switch goalies halfway through just so we can't have that stat line. It's the NHL. Teams We're not allowed fun, Ryan. Teams with two goalies are benefiting from this because there's more games being played, the more likely that your hot goalie is not going to last as long. The Rangers are going to win the cup. <laughs> they could. It's, it's five rounds. Uh, Shesterkin gets two rounds. Lundqvist gets two. Georgiev gets one. No, I, I think Lundqvist gets the cup or, cup finals. It's too yeah, poetic. He could, I didn't happen. say which series they would get. I was just talking totals here. Georgiev will get the second round. Lundqvist will get the finals. Shesterkin will get the conference finals, et cetera. Uh, it's so like it's just it's so funny the reasoning like for for people who are saying look there's no point in being upset about this it didn't affect the red wings at all practically yeah you're totally right man like i'm not angry about it i just laugh at the people who insist they cannot exist without having everyone agree with them that these are these are not the playoffs because of the playoffs <laughs> oh these games simulate the rest of the regular season these stats should count for the regular season then plain and simple Ding, ding, ding. Very straightforward there. Nothing complicated at all. 
No. And uh, it's not extra games because everyone was missing at least 10 games and at most they're going to play five. So it's just like everyone had a few more games lost to injury this year. Put them into the regular season, but nah. nah. Like selfishly, I'd rather these count as regular season statistics anyway, because how many players are chasing some kind of milestone or are sitting at like 48 goals or 98 points or et cetera, et cetera. Like there's, there's so much fun that could be had. Ovechkin and his Gretzky chase. If he goes off for five goals in this playing round, oh. I'd rather that be five more goals towards Gretzky than it is five more towards his playoff total that I couldn't even tell you. Can you imagine Ovechkin's, uh, however much he falls short of Gretzky's record? Well, actually, Ovechkin's not going to play in this either way, but still. Batting. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, still, man, you ruined the hypothetical. Yeah, well, whatever. There's still other guys. You could uh, David Pasternak's two goals away from. Oh yeah, I'm super worried about David Pasternak's legacy. That guy doesn't have too many more chances. Um, San Jose is not playing. I was going to say Marlowe's creeping up on the games played record. <laughs> what else do we have? <laughs> we be- we beat our own point. Welcome to the Wind Wheel Podcast. <laughs> yep. Nothing is allowed to be fun, and I'm still so angry about this playoff round that I have to cheer for Toronto. I have to cheer for all these teams I hate. I I hate this so much. I'm deluded by the heat right now. I'm back on. Now nah, I hope Toronto loses, and they they they're in the uh, this pool just because of how absurd it would be. I I, I, I will regret saying that, and uh, a version of me three hours from now will will slap myself for even thinking such a thing. But that's where I'm at right now. No, Edmonton's my chaos team. I, I want Edmonton to win the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup or Alexi Lafreniere. They are not allowed to do anything in between. Edmonton is truly just like the good for hockey pick, right? Because, yeah, it's not fair at all, but what is in this life or this NHL draft lottery? And at least we get to watch the best of McDavid and Lafreniere then. And Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and Athanasiu and you Yamamoto. You could not. Oh, can you imagine Lafreniere, Athanasiu, and McDavid? All you would have to say to Andreas is, "Hey, skate fast in a direction, and it'll just shoot the puck off your skates." <laughs> yeah, like, that's it. Um, some other key points about the the salary cap, which are uh, we talked about this last episode as well. So, um, and it will be an ongoing discussion, of course. Uh, the upper limit of the salary cap will stay flat um, for 2020, 2021 at 81 and a half million. It will stay there until hockey related revenue uh, climbs back up to, I think it's, let me look up the number here, 4.8 billion. So if it hits it quickly, uh, the new upper limit or the new salary cap will be calculated through, you know, actual hockey related revenue from two seasons ago to pull pre COVID numbers and then just do some kind of weird calculation with projected uh, hockey-related revenue. Whenever you see HRR, I know you want to think human resources, but that's hockey-related revenue. Um, and then minimum salaries uh, will continue to increase from seven hundred thousand to seven seventy or seven fifty, and then seven seventy-five by twenty twenty-four, um, and then eight hundred by twenty twenty-five. So not world-breaking stuff here, and it's stuff we talked about last episode. Uh, this salary cap is going to, at a time when teams were planning for it to jump considerably within the next few years, it is now going to stay flat, or at least close to flat for the next little while. So even if hockey-related revenue climbs back up in a reasonable amount of time, you're not going to see a massive jump to like $92 million or anything like that. Like it's going to take, I think some time for it to have an appreciable difference. So 
teams that are in the hole are going to be in the hole. And of course, they'll have time to to work with it. But I think the biggest opportunity is within the first season or season and a half for GMs with cap space like Steve Eisman with the Detroit Red Wings to take advantage of that kind of thing. Do you know who's going to have the biggest advantage with this now that I think about it? Who? Seattle. Every team, every team learned their lesson with Vegas. Don't get cute. Just let them take their player and be done with it. Some teams won't have that choice. Some teams will be like, I'd rather not give a first round pick to, uh, if, if you're Toronto, say a division rival like Ottawa or Detroit, I'd rather sell the farm to get Seattle to take a bad contract. So uh, from a hockey fan perspective, this could be great because we could literally have Vegas 2.0. I'm not saying they'll be that good, but hey, maybe Seattle gets in the playoffs right away. Maybe they're a competitive team. A lot of early projections on this team look like they could be surprisingly good again. So um, again, you couple this with a global pandemic and the fact that teams will absolutely want to unload their bad contracts to someone. Hey, why not the brand new team? Because the NA Lindy Ruff just got hired. Oh yeah, the, N- the NHL doesn't learn from its mistakes. If we know anything, nothing changes. The NHL, everything in the NHL is an infinite loop of stupid and mediocrity. So Seattle's going to take on a ba- lot of bad contracts, get a lot of picks, a lot of prospects, still somehow be good, and then reap the rewards of those picks and prospects for years to come. I just realized the people on YouTube are going to notice that Evan's worn the same shirt, I think, for like three of the last four episodes. Yep, it's the uh, the weekly schlepping shirt. Is that, that your just post-golf shirt? Yeah, pretty much. I just try to wear something super comfortable. It's his uh, Sunday red, except uh, not on a Sunday episode this time. Yeah. Be honest, Evan. Have you washed? Do you wash that between uses? No. <laughs> actually, it's not even a shirt. It's I, I'm actually shirtless right now. It's just this tan i have from uh golfing (laughs) what what garment is that i was gonna say is it a a poncho (laughs) can you imagine evan's just been wearing a poncho for the entirety of this podcast from home that'd be amazing i'd be way more entertained if it was a snuggie we can get those on our store can we not probably not man the store ended ponchos every time okay so we, we did a bunch of orders because the store is now taking more orders and, and things. And they're like, expect a delay of up to 20 to 30 business days. I'm like, tw- that's that's next year. <laughs> what do you mean 20 to 30 business days? Anyways. Um, yeah, we, I don't. I think it'll be a while out until we get ponchos. Although we did just put up a very cool, on our little Hobbit door in the studio, uh, a big winged wheel podcast vinyl. So in case Mel was wondering... <laughs> whether or not this room would have any semblance of livability outside of uh the podcast the answer is no so if she inside, wa- what is inside of that hobbit hole anyway it's the uh, the eaves of the house because it's a one and a half story so it's the between the roof and the walls uh, yeah which we learned um that area obviously doesn't get air conditioning so it gets super hot so if i i store a lot of our stuff in there if I have to open it, just a wave of hot air comes into the room and it takes like another hour to cool it back down. Anyways, um, back to the CBA. Uh, I just remembered Seattle's going to probably have to get a guaranteed top whatever pick again. And that will happen in this upcoming draft, correct? No. Or is it? It's not the Shane Wright draft. It's no, this it's, draft. it's the Atu Ratti draft. Yeah, yeah, but that's better because you don't want that to happen at the Shane Wright draft. No, but now we live in a reality. The Red Wings could drop four spots. Who cares? I don't care. 
I don't care anymore. They're dropping regardless. The Red Wings aren't drafting higher than fourth next year. Well, we're going to cry about fourth to fifth. No, let's get it through our heads now. There's no hope for the next draft lottery. It's we, over. We could All finish, of it was done this year. We could finish dead last and pick fifth. Amazing. I hope it happens. I don't care. I don't give a shit. You can't <laughs> care anymore, right? You can't I care. I can only be I'm hurt done. so much so many times. Even this year, we approached it as rationally as you could as fans and, and, you know, analysts and podcasters and talking heads, whatever you want to call us, dipshits. We approached it exactly how you're supposed to, and they still found a way to make it hurt. You cannot go into this with hope. If you are a fan of the Detroit Red Wings, do not have hope. I, I am warning you. Do not have hope. They The NHL has shown us so many times that the decades of success that this team has had as being used – as justification for cosmic hockey punishment and any good that comes will come through Stevie's will and Stevie's will alone. And that is it. <laughs> there is going to be no winning of draft lotteries. There's going to be no miracle pick that's, that comes fifth overall that the, the, this, I talked about speed limits last episode. It's all happening. In the speed limit. Stevie's ha- he has to do it his way and that's it. So no, we're not getting Shane, right? We're not getting Aturati. None of that. Pick your fourth favorite player. That's who we're getting. <laughs> Yeah, we're in the far right lane driving the speed limit. Yeah. And we, we kind of ease towards the exit every time and then just go, shit. Put our signal on traffic. way too early. Way too early. And then it's another mile down the road. Anyways, I'm fine. Uh, some other details. No trade and no move clauses will now finally travel with the player in the event of a trade. Um So even if a player is traded before a clause kicks in, so, uh, I think that happened with PK. Was that Subban? Yeah, Subban signed the extension with Montreal and was traded to Nashville before it actually kicked in. Yeah, so sometimes players or often players waive their no-trade clauses, and technically when they do that, uh, the the receiving team of that player does not have to reinstate it. Sometimes they do it as an act of good faith, um, but they don't technically have to, and now with the new CBA, they do, uh, which is good. It makes sense, and uh, especially from a player bargaining standpoint. Um, and then that also applies to no move clauses. Um, European waivers have changed. So players who play in Europe will no longer require waivers to come back to the NHL, provided they sign their contract by December 15th. Would that have made a difference with Detroit and, um, uh, who's the goalie they signed that? Nabokov? Yeah. Yeah. That would have made a difference. They signed it before December, eh? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Olympic participation is per permitted for the next two Olympics. So 2022 Beijing and 2026 is back in, is in Italy, huh? Milan. So obviously yeah. they have to have a, they have to have an agreement with the international Olympic committee, um, to do so, but the NHL will allow it. Uh, escrow is going to start pretty high at 20% and then slowly fade down, hopefully to 6% by 2025. Uh, and then there's boring stuff here about salary deferrals, um, blah, 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 repaying owners to make whole, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so those are some of the key points. There is other stuff in there. Um, I can't exactly remember what it was, uh, regarding players and their contracts. Oh, I believe conditional contract or conditional picks based on re-signing are no longer allowed. Right. So, if you trade, if we trade Evan to the Steve Dangle podcast for a third round pick that turns into a second, if he resigns at the end of the year, that's no longer allowed. Oh, so like if he ended up staying with the Steve Dangle podcast, then that year, not okay. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that tweeted. I don't have that on my list that I made in front of me, and I can't remember if that's just because I took a bad notes or that wasn't didn't end up in the end. But that's it's trying because to think of, of why that even mattered. Well, because players ended up not getting re-signed by these teams because it always cost them, you know, pretty significant draft picks, right? Like a, a team's not going to give up a first to sign a player where they were like pretty sure they wanted him, but you do give up a first for a player you, you're pretty sure you want to sign. So players lost a lot of bargaining power in that. Uh, These are things that like matter at the end of the day for the players, but not nearly as much as the insane escrow they're going to be pay- paying to start. So that's why. I, is 20 high compared to what they're paying now? I, I don't know the exact percentage of what they're paying now. Um, Special guest. Guest appearance from Crystal. Do you have to go, Brad? What's that? Do you have, do you have to go? No, 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 no. No, I get, <laughs> got it. I can only message. I can only deal with one of you and Evan doing that at a time. And Evan hasn't even clued into the fact that we're talking about him. <clears throat> I'm reading about escrow right now. Just I, in general? No, I'm trying to figure out uh, what the yearly payment in escrow has been. Oh, uh, okay. Of course, it's not easy to find because why would it be? Evan spent this whole time trying to figure out why that uh, French delicacy was relevant to the NHL before he realized it wasn't escargot. <laughs> no, these guys are rich enough. They, they can get their own. So I'm reading what Craig Cousins wrote on The Athletic, and he also mentioned training camp for the next – or training camp. Training camp for the next season is – tentatively for around november 17th with the current or the next regular season schedule for december 1st that is a fast turnaround that is an extremely fast turnaround and yeah here's the thing um uh, teams will no longer be allowed to add conditions to trades that change the compensation if the traded player signs a contract extension with the new team um so that yeah the players do get some bargaining power back with that i I understand that i found a chart that's up to 2015 2016 so it's not super relevant <clears throat> and how the graph looks it's uh it's a double bar graph so on one side um horizontally it's salary lost and on the other side it's re- refunded yeah um and it looks like is it in percentage yeah so um <laughs> In 2009, the percentage of escrow lost was 1.1%, then followed by 2004. To the, uh, sorry, I looked at 2.4 and said, uh, and thought 2010 and said ha- half and half. Uh, 2010 was 2.4%. Uh, 2011 was 05 <clears throat> Not sure what happened in 2012, but it went up to 15%. And then it's been 10.2, 13, 13. That was uh, C- the new CBA, right? Second lockout. Was, was that 2011? When was that, Brad? Did we? Brad's 12, dead. 13. Yeah. So that's when okay, they had, that's when they had the new agreed split to hockey related revenue. So yeah. Yeah. So players were getting a ton of money back. Like the highest they got back from escrow was 10% in 2010. And that's probably when owners were like, hmm, I don't like this. Because uh, ever since that uh, rebalancing, it's been 16 3.82, and 3% refund yeah. to the players. So it's... They don't get a lot of money back anymore. So it's like playing these, double taxes. Yeah, all of these technical details are are fun for the nerds. But if you're not into it, basically, there's nothing earth-shattering. This isn't like the, the 04 lockout where, you know, they changed the rules of the game or anything like that. These are a lot of you know, back-end administrative things that matter a lot for hockey. I mean, they they 
you have to solve the current crisis that's happening now and, and create some kind of, like Brad mentioned, solid foundation for the future, um, or at least do your best to kind of avoid a better fight or at the very, very least, which is a lot of what's happened now, kick the can that is those fights down the road. Um, good because we've missed out on a lot of hockey now and they are minimizing the amount of hockey that we're missing in the future. Cause let's be real. If they let this go to a lockout, the anybody who is still staying inside would come out to burn down NHL headquarters in New York, right? Oh, you know what? Yeah. Easily. It uh, would have made the Vancouver riots look like a birthday candle. Uh, honestly. So I'm, I'm happy sense or common sense and, and rationality prevailed here. Um, I read all this and I was like, eh, kind of boring. That's good. Nothing earth shattering. Uh, the amount of escrow the players are going to have to pay is enormous, but they worked all that out at the table. I'm not going to cry for millionaires. I'm not going to cry for billionaires. We have hockey. That's it. But yeah, the players are losing money, but that provision the NHL threw in where the first star of every game now gets a free breadstick uh, coupon from Domino's Pizza is really going to up the pace of the game. Oh, is that why you're working out so much? Yeah, buddy. You think breadsticks are good <laughs> for you? No, I got I to gotta work off of those extra calories. No, I meant to say to get in shape so you can even make the NHL. To get bread. breadsticks. Yes, Ryan. <laughs> Why don't you just go to Olive Garden? It's unlimited breadsticks before you eat. Oh, you can't really Canada. You can't really go to Olive Gardens right now. I can't cross the border, Ryan. Why do you tease me like that? That's just mean. If you're you gonna can. promise Olive Garden, deliver Olive Garden. You can. You'd have to. You just have to say you're going to Alaska. Or is that only in the other direction? I think I, I got a better. Be? I think I got a better choice uh, chance of swimming the Detroit River than getting to Alaska. <laughs> People do it every year. I like. I love the last guy who did it. He made it all the way across and halfway back before he got picked up by the Coast Guard. And they're like, why'd you do it? He's like, my buddy said I couldn't. And they're like, but why'd you do it? He's like, my buddy said I couldn't. And I did it. And they put him in the paper. And when he was talking, he's like, can you please make sure that you say that I actually made it all the way there and then halfway back? And I could have done it if they didn't stop me. He almost went out again that night, actually, after Wait, the cops what? left. What, they didn't arrest him or detain him. He entered a country illegally, and they're just like, ah, go, you little <laughs> scamp. He touched the wall, and he swam back. He was back. I think they picked him back up on the Canadian side. That is amazing. It's extremely dangerous. If you're in Windsor or Detroit, don't do it. There's a, like, there's a deadly undertow in some spots. Like People die regularly, so please don't. But it's the, the stories are hysterical. I love it. Whenever people fish in there, I'm like, ooh, don't. Don't do that. Don't eat anything that you find in there, please. I'm surprised you'd even be allowed to fish there. Yeah, there's no loss. It's Windsor and Detroit. (laughs) True. Fair. Anyways, that's the CBA. Um, The pertinent points for the Red Wings here, the salary cap. And it looks like even after it's ratified, the the, the dates aren't going to be solid. So we're going to work towards a range of dates as we prepare for these things and kind of talk about them. But keep in mind that this could all turn upside down, you know, and it's not necessarily all upside down as in they start December 25th or like December 14th instead of December 1st. No, it could be they have to start like February 28th instead of December 1st. Like there, it really just depends on forces way beyond the NHL's control. So um, it's good to at least have a plan. And it's good that they understand that their plan may all go to shit, which uh, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, that's what I put my money on. 
Um, so we talked about the the dates of return to play. They basically want the play-in round to happen in 10 days, the first three rounds to happen in a maximum of two weeks, and then the Stanley Cup finals to happen in a maximum of 13 days. Um, the awesome part of this is that they want to split the East and West hub to pretty much pretty sure make sure that we have like unlimited unfiltered unadulterated hockey from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed if only i could enjoy that hockey they want games i think this is eastern time uh three games a day in each of the hub cities 12 p.m 4 p.m and 8 p.m which is just like local time in edmonton is the one time in edmonton so that means we would be getting um 10 p.m 6 p.m and 2 p.m would be the game times Eastern Standard Time. I'm not sure. Now, because they said, the one thing I wasn't clear on, so they said that those would be no, the No, they're time. behind us. They're behind us where we yeah, are. Yeah, so an 8 p.m. local game in Edmonton would be 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, oh, you're working backwards. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the one thing I wasn't clear on, though, is does that mean Edmonton and Toronto are both going to be running those time slots or is it going to alternate? So are we going to have two games at 2 PM every day then, or how does that work? Or is it going to be literally six games a day or is it only three games a day? I wasn't clear. No, no, it's, it's six games a day, but there's a two hour time difference, right? So 12 PM, uh, 12 PM, 2 PM, 4 PM, 6 PM, 8 PM and 10 PM. That is a dream. That is amazing, and uh, I have a lot of vacation time coming up from work in the next yeah, month. Honestly, so. Hell like yeah. if it's essentially March Madness for in hockey. terms of broadcasting and TV time, but hockey. Hey, like we March never Madness got to run is our, game after game after game after game. That's we never got to run our March Madness pool. I say we run a, a, a pool for each round. That's your job, Evan. That's your job, game master. That's Evan's role in this podcast, by the way. He's game master. That's why he doesn't talk so much. No, I'm not doing that. It, yeah, his, you sure are. It literally says on his business card, the vice president of fun and games. Yeah, the president of fun and games is actually Mika. Uh, it used to be one of Brad or myself, but she wrestled control in a coup. So we're still trying to get power back, but she's, she's a tough cookie to crack. We haven't been able to figure out where she acquired the tank. No. Yeah, that was uh, surprising. Although, really... Should we have been? Um, Yeah, that kind of schedule is something that we would have like dreamt up in some kind of like hockey fever dream where we're like, yeah, this is the best version of the NHL we could ever ask for. (laughs) Again, the stupid overused joke, the silver lining to the world ending is at least we get the kind of hockey that we have always wanted. Until that ends because the world ends, you know, let's Um, get to the second round. And funny enough, they've also told us what hub or what uh, hotels the hub cities are staying or the hub or the teams in the hub cities are staying in so hotel x in toronto is going to be boston tampa washington philly and pittsburgh so the teams that aren't involved in the play in (coughs) playoff um wait isn't one of them which one of those is pittsburgh yeah pittsburgh is involved in the playoff uh that awfully presumptuous nhl (laughs) royal york hotel has carolina new york toronto columbus florida uh, the Rangers and Montreal. I think to mess with Toronto, they should have just put Boston in there just to psych them out. They're not playing, but they're there on the same floor, alternating rooms. Yeah. Can you imagine Toronto wins their series and they come back to their hotel room celebrating and standing there at the elevator just grinning as Brad Marchand? He's not saying anything. He's just grinning at them. He sticks his tongue out. Kissing his imaginary ring again. <laughs> he licks the door handles to their hotel rooms. <laughs> he probably does that anyway, for being honest. 
Uh, and over in the West, uh, I guess a Marriott is St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, Edmonton, and Nashville. And then in another one, or the Sutton place is Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Arizona, and Chicago. Shame on the NHL for not just going all out and putting Edmonton with Vancouver, Calgary, and Winnipeg. But all in all, should the NHL live stream the hallways? Yes or definitely yes? Absolutely. Should the NHL have a redemption bracket? which is mini sticks in the hallways with the teams that lose the play in. Uh, yes, or absolutely yes. No, that should be the main. That shouldn't be <laughs> the redemption bracket. <laughs> if the NHL does not generate 15 commercials from these hotel, like live candid views of the hotel hallways, they will be the NHL we know and love that cannot help themselves for their life's worth. My, my favorite part about this <laughs> is, you know how a lot of, uh, Canadian hotels will have like a Tim Hortons like built into the building somewhere, if not directly off of the lobby. I can't wait to see Ryan O'Reilly drive his hotel cart <laughs> right into it. <laughs> You'll have to be uh, closing that one down. I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> use that Tim Hortons in a, even in a quarantine. Even if I had nowhere else to get my no, coffee besides the crappy hotel room coffee, I'd sooner make toilet wine in my hotel room than drink that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take Which that instant coffee powder they give you. Yeah, I'll take that. $11 immediately charged to your card. Sorry, Gary. Uh, it's funny seeing the NBA players check into their hotels in Orlando. Um, it was it Rajon Rondo put out a picture of his room. He's like, this is some Motel 8 bullshit or something like that. I'm like, that's a really nice hotel room. Like, that was a gorgeous suite. And like... Is it the nicest hotel room in the world? No, I'm sure you can find better. But like for a hotel room that's meant to house one person or two people, like he said, it sucked. Yeah, and I was like, man, you are in for a world of hurt. And like you just, the NBA is getting a lot more than what the NHL is getting, right? Like they have way more money, and like they had their meals, and everyone was laughing about their meals on Twitter because it all came in like prepackaged um, portions. Um, and the only thing I thought was like the food looks not bad. Like it's it's not. It's catered to so many players, right? Like it can't be amazing. And it's just it looks worse because it's prepackaged. But I was like, I'm like a seven foot tall NBA player. I need way more food than that. That food's like six hundred calories. I need three thousand in this meal right now. I, I would pay good money to have someone prep my meals and put them in a bag and play it for me. I like my God, why are they complaining? This is exactly what I need in my life. But I understand the hotel thing. Uh because one It was time- a nice room. No, no, I, I get where Rondo's coming from because uh, one time when I was uh, in Las Vegas, I was staying at the Cosmo and I just get like whatever poor person room, the uh, like y- you pick a decent hotel and you just get the poorest person room <laughs> you can get, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, where are you staying? The I'm, way. I'm staying at Caesar's Palace and it's like the janitor's closet. You just don't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, but they, And only 250 a night. But they screwed up my reservation. So I was at the at the door and I, I forget what it was. It was actually Super Bowl weekend and I forget what year. And so I'm like, okay, so just give me another room. And you could see like the panic setting in the woman's eyes behind the counter. She's like, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. She's like, and then she's like, okay, I'll be right back. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Excuse me, miss. I don't know if you know this, but I'm from East, like the east side of Canada. Like I can't, like you need to give me a room here. Um and then she comes back with the manager. So, sir, we don't have any um, regular rooms, um, but we do have a suite available. And like my eyes got wide. I'm like, I can't afford that. I like, I literally, I don't think she finished saying it. I'm like, I can't afford that. 
And she's like, no, no, no. Like, it, it's on us. And I'm like, what? This is my- we have to give you so much extra space. I'm like, what? And so I'm thinking like normal hotel room and then a suite's probably like twice as big, maybe an extra bed. And I might get like the little kitchenette set. I walk in to a wraparound suite that is bigger than my house. It was unreal. I, I can't stay in a hotel anymore. <laughs> Nothing will ever live up to it. Overlooking the strip, just looking down upon the unwashed as I'm in my minor mansion. The nice <laughs> but- thing about those rooms is they give you a nice robe and slippers too. So you can really just live the in the life of luxury for however long you're there. It was the greatest three days of my life and I'm not sure I left the room. That would have been the only time it would have been like tangibly beneficial to be with you as a friend in a non-podcast <laughs> capacity. I 100% agree. <laughs> like that's the first time I think in my life I've said, man, I wish, I wish Evan and I were there to experience that with Brad. <laughs> I, don't, I think even between the three of us, none of us would have left the room. Oh, God, no. Like they were, it was – I can't even describe. There was like – there was three couches in my <laughs> hotel room. Evan like, actually Evan would have left to with his pitching wedge onto the balcony. He could have. I don't know if I could have hit a driver from one end to the other. It was a dog leg right, so it would have been hard to begin with, but still. You do you shoot left? No, I'm a righty. And your 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 uh driver doesn't your drive doesn't hook to the right? A little bit, Ryan, but I'm not like incompetent at the game of golf. I didn't. Oh, I'm not incompetent at the game of golf. I can Ryan, hit it straight. Piss Ryan, my drive isn't just a 90 degree hook. Okay, it's not a right angle here. I swear, if the first 150 <laughs> yards are dead on, it will still hook 90 degrees to the right at some point. You're both right handed. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a slice, not a hook. Wait, it's a. It- I hit a fade, not a slice, Evan. Sorry, is this not what I'm it's trying a, to establish a, here? Yeah, once you uh, don't slice it, it's called a power fade. <laughs> I don't understand this bullshit game. Golf was made by bullshit rich people because they they uh, they they won life and they get to do everything that they want. So they made a game that nobody can win, and it's bullshit. That's Ryan. I was one of those bullshit rich people in that bullshit rich suite. I can talk whatever the hell I want about golf for at least a little bit. Thank you. Um, anyways, uh, I'm excited to see the stuff that comes out of uh, the hotel rooms, the uh, endless hockey that we're going to get provided that nobody ruins it. Actually, you know what? I talked about how NHL players are stupid and like, look at Formula One. Formula One tested 4,000 people um, and they all tested negative and they were able to have their first race. So because they obviously had to cancel a lot of the races, like somewhere in China, somewhere in Brazil, like they had to obviously cancel those races. So what they do to try to fill out their their race calendar um, is they've done the same track more than once. So the first race was in Austria and the second race is this weekend, also this exact same track in Austria. In the the rate the last race happened on Sunday. Between Sunday and now, two of the premier drivers in Formula One traveled back to where they live in Monaco and went out in public and broke their bubbles and broke the quarantine and then came back to Austria. Yes, the average athlete is dumb. Average the average a- person is dumb. George Carlin had it perfect. Think of how stupid the average person is, and then remember, half of them are dumber than that. It's just, it's 
Austria. It's Austria. You live in Monaco. First of all, Monaco's just buildings. I'll just say it right now. Cool place. Yeah, definitely cool. There's stuff to do, but it's just buildings. Austria, you're in one of the nicest parts of one of the nicest countries in the world. Go for a freaking hike. There's a mountain next to the track. <laughs> next to the track on which you race. You just take there- their helicopter to the top. I'm not even like, anyways, but NHL, no athlete is exempt. Yeah. They're NHL all- players though. Like if they break the quarantine rules that the NHL is imposed, they're like booted out for the rest of the playoffs. So, you know, yeah, let's see if they enforce it. I, oh, I will be impressed if they enforce it. I, I, I think they will enforce it, but I don't think there's any NHL player dumb enough to risk that. Well, in the playoffs, if this was the regular season, I would bet on half of them breaking it. But in the playoffs, every NHL player, no matter how dumb or arrogant or careless, turns into a robot. That's that's the special thing about the NHL playoffs. At least four players slash personnel from the cup favorite St. Louis Blues, or at least one of the cup favorite St. Louis Blues, tested positive after going to a bar. I didn't say they were smart about their own health, but they are not going to risk a cup run. There was no repercussions other than getting sick and possibly dying um, to the NHL player, but now there are repercussions to hockey. And as dumb as that sounds, that is literally more important than their own health to most of these players. And it sounds like I'm making a joke there. I'm really not. Uh, The NHL actually, believe it or not, could use Mike Babcock's services here. Because if you need someone to lock down a team and make sure they don't get up to any bullshit through any means necessary, which is like also like uh, mental and verbal abuse and manipulation, Mike Babcock would come in handy here to scare them all straight. So I don't condone anything that he's done, but... So what you're saying is the teams with the scariest coaches are going to be the favorites? Well, someone call up Allison. Congrats, Columbus. You're going all the way. Uh, If only we can hope. Um, Okay, let's. we haven't done a prospect profile in a while. So before we get to overtime, uh, I do want to do a prospect profile in this. I didn't forget it. Yes, this prospect profile is not going to be a first round guy. So sorry for those who are hoping for that for this time around, but we will get to it. But this time it is going to be um, from North Bay in the OHL, Brandon Coe. Big man. Brad, kick us off. Real big boy. Real skilled boy. Late birthday in his third year of OHL eligibility. Um, When you watch him play, your immediate thought is automatic first rounder, big, decent skater, Great hands, super talented, great vision, plays physical, everything you want. In his third OHL season is still less than a point per game. He is, uh, he, he reminds me a lot of Riley Shahan in a lot of ways, in the sense that you watch them and go, why aren't you good? Because North Bay all, sucked. They, they sucked. They were terrible, but he's been there for three years. Um, the, the, the eye test says this player should be good. The everything else shows this player is not good. So is it a guy that you take a flyer on in like the third round, maybe late second round and be like, okay, he had no help in North Bay, maybe, but I I don't know. He's also tremendously inconsistent. Like Noel Gundler, we were saying, uh, generally tends to take like 
every fourth game off. Uh, Brandon Coe takes three of those four games off, it seems. Yeah, pinning down Brandon Coe is difficult. Um, you definitely see the talent in him, but you would just imagine that through three years, there would be something more to say about his stat line. And I understand some some analysts and some people who do scouting stuff don't really care too much about stat line. They, they take into account a lot more circumstance. But like Brad said, three years on that team, you'd want a little bit more consistency. And I don't know whether it's a lack of effort or if he's just not good enough or it's how bad the team is um or it's like he's a he's a, a a dependent player who doesn't drive his own line like he does play on the wing and if he did drive his own line then you know he'd be ranked a lot higher but if he's played with the right centerman or the the right line mates is he going to explode um that's a it's a difficult one it's hard to resist the opportunity if you're like third round you know, or even fourth round, maybe depending on where this guy goes. And you see a guy who's six foot four, nearly like 195 pounds, excellent hands, good vision in the offensive zone, like knows how to play hockey besides just being big and isn't like a debilitatingly bad skater by any means. That's tempting. But has he shown enough to, to, to warrant that risk? For me, second round, I'm not sure. It's certainly interesting to see how. His stats would line up if he played on even a middling OHL team. Yeah, throw him on. I'm sure sure if he played for Ottawa, his numbers would be ginormous and maybe in the conversation for an earlier second round pick. Um, It's worth But this is why he's rated where he is because he's on a bad team. He doesn't light the world on fire and there's a lot of unknowns. So that's kind of where you fall. It's worth noting, though, this is his first year with uh, North Bay where they didn't make the playoffs. So it's not like they've been a tire fire the entire time he was there. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Would it, would this, he fit Detroit's draft profile? Yeah, he's huge and talented for some reason. <laughs> Steve Eisman's trying to build the Legion of Boom if last draft is, is to be taken into account. Like Elmer Soderblom says hi. Um, doesn't, he doesn't jump off the page for me. I understand it, it's an intriguing skill set. And I think – there is definitely a shot for there to be a, a lot more beneath the surface that you just need the right program and the right kind of line mates and development to get out of that. But I think that also rings true for a lot of these guys. Like you don't just become an NHL level prospect and you're not all of these guys are total duds, right? Like there's a, there's a stroke of luck and circumstance that comes with developing into an NHL player. Some players are so good. It doesn't matter where you go. You'll be good. And some players are actually, they, they never would have made it unless they were in the situation that they're in. And, and it's, that's another layer of scouting players that you, it's it's really hard to predict. So I don't know. Um, I say he doesn't jump off the page to me, but I also would hate to be the team that picked that pass on him that picked right before him passed on Brandon Coe. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, the team that picks him has the next Anthony Mantha on their hands. He's not as doesn't I don't think he projects to be as prolific of a shooter as Anthony Mantha, but you get what I mean in general. So, yeah, uh, where do we think he'll go i'm gonna say i don't think he'll fall to the fourth round i think he'll be late second early third i'm gonna say early third i think a a team will be too tempted um it's it's like that desperate girlfriend but i can fix him (laughs) i he's 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 bad but i can fix him there will be a team that will do that 
Absolutely. And it might be the Red Wings. Look, in your life, you should never pick a partner that you need to fix for them to be good. But if you're an NHL team and you're drafting a third round or later, that is absolutely what you should be doing. Yes, 100%. You're drafting tools and going, we can do it. We, we have this. Te- no, we, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. Before, it was only like Detroit and like Chicago that could do that. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, if teams have fleshed out development systems and, and they know, they're like, yeah, we've taken in guys, huge guys who have consistency issues before and we put on the right line mates and look at these proof of uh, concept cases. So I would not be upset if he was a Red Wings pick. Then again, you'd, ha- you'd have a very short list of people where I would say, yeah, I would be upset if this guy was taken by the Red Wings past pick 32. Like you cannot possibly be terribly passionate about those kinds of things. I remember being disappointed when they took Tuomisto considering because I wanted, you know, Kaliev and I wanted um, uh, Philly took him. He's a good shooter. Brink. Brink. Yeah. Bobby Brink and the Detroit just missed out on them and that's fine. And they took Tuomisto who was like kind of off the board. And I was like, eh, don't love that pick. And yeah, but that was 35. That's a premium pick. Yeah, and that that that's the thing, and that was like my upper limit of what I possibly could, as someone who's already putting way too much stock into something I don't, I'm not a professional at, to be disappointed in. And even then, I said, well, I don't, I'm not thrilled by this pick, but they know something that we don't, and they seem to be really high on him. And look, Tuomiso's doing great so far, so far. Please always take everything that we say about prospects and their development to so far. Um, so if they took him in the third round or late second round, like would not be upset about that for a second okay patreon overtime overtime you guys want to do overtime yes please all right uh we're gonna head over to overtime which on this midweek episode of the wing wheel podcast is going to be patreon exclusive um this is <laughs> i've been naming them just stupid stuff so this is the no lockout edition uh to thank all of our uh, patreon supporters because you guys are the reasons why we are getting uh we are able to uh keep the show going especially through uh the lockdown and we're almost back to hockey uh joe delia asks sup guys quick hits movies you never get tired of shawshank redemption and glorious bastards you took my answer you son of a bitch <laughs> now you have to pick a different one uh okay I'll, no, since nobody decided to go like full comedy uh i'll go zombie land uh oh good and zombie land 2 is coming out how's it come out it, it's out uh it was not disappointing which is rare for a for a sequel that far behind because it's like you know it's not going to be as good as the first one you know it's got no chance you hope it just doesn't like crush your soul it was i liked it obviously not as much as the original but i enjoyed it favorite musical artist uh it depends ask me any given week uh right now i'll go with i mean right now i'll go with Eh, Paris, I tend to gravitate to a lot, so I'll stick with that. Uh, I'm listening I haven't to a lot listened of... to music in so long, actually. I don't, I've just been podcasting, listening to podcasts. I've been listening to a lot of Run the Jewels lately. I, again, like Brad, it switches a lot. Um, favorite current Red Wing? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> again, ask me the, uh, any week. I'll go Mantha uh yeah larkin yeah i'll go larkin tyler patuzzi i'll go for uh and do you eat asparagus uh yes wrapped in prosciutto 
Yeah, big fan of asparagus. I'll just eat it straight up. Oh, he said you you uh, likes it, but you really got to clean it before you dig in. <laughs> awesome interview, <laughs> by the way, guys. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Flip Zadina said, or Flip Dezina says, "Howdy, fellas. One of the four hockey fans in Indiana here. Been listening for a couple years now, and figured it's time to support you guys. I appreciate it, Flip. Um, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. Says I went back and listened to the first episode I heard from you guys, um, which is the 2018 draft review. It was awesome seeing the whole Red Wings community be so excited about Zadina at six. Can't wait for October six when Stutzla drops to four, and we see what happens again. Thanks for everything. Well." Here's to hoping you're right, but no matter what, we'll have that level of excitement. We'll have at least a cider level of excitement about whoever it gets picked fourth. The Darren Helm Stand Club says, I'm sober-ish now again. The sulking as a result of the lottery is clearing. Remember, we got a couple decent players in the sixth and seventh round before. And of course, in the fifth round, we got an ace, absolute butte, Darren Helm. I doubt we can get anyone of that talent in the late rounds again, but faith be uh, the eyes are playing. I'm sure as we wait so patiently for the draft, you will discuss later rounds. But for now, any favorite late round gems? Uh, generally, when we're talking about late round picks, it's you gravitate go- towards guys you've watched a lot who could fill a role. Um, so obviously, we've watched a, a ton of uh, the Kitchener Rangers lately. They got three guys who are probably going to go in the fifth to seventh round. The, the guy I keep my eye on is Declan McDonald. Uh, cause he came over, he, he was 17 this year, but it was his first year in the OHL cause he stayed in uh, minor hockey in the States for an extra year. Hell of a shot works his ass off. Uh, not going to ever be a top six, probably not even a top nine guy in the NHL, but I could see with, with good development, him turning into like a, a really good role player with some offensive kick to, uh, you know, pop in maybe 10, 15 a year while playing a specialized role. Um, Alex Ott asks, which player combo would you rather have? Cider, Ro- Cider and Rossi, Cider and Raymond, or Zegras and Drysdale? Oh, God. Oh, wow. I hate you for that one. So it was Cider and Rossi or Cider and Raymond? Or Zegras and Drysdale, yeah. I'll, uh, Cider and Raymond. Yeah, I'm going to go Cider and Raymond, too. I, like, I'll still go on the record as having preferred... Um, Zegris at the time, but I don't think the difference between Zegris and Cider is so big right now where I could confidently say. Ugh, but then again, where I would take the drop from Raymond or Rossi to Drysdale, because in my mind, I still rank both of those guys ahead of him. I'm going to agree with Brad and go Cider. There's really no bad, no bad decision no, to be made there. There's none at all. Um, uh, James Phoenix says, noting cap space developments today, it is clear that Eisman will now place himself into an underground bunker to ring around every single GM to see what deals he can garnish on their bad contracts. With Arizona at $85.1 million now, according to Cap Friendly, they're obviously in a bit of a tight squeeze. They still have the host of contract on LTIR for another two years. Um, and I wondered what you consider a decent return to look like if we were to take that on, or if indeed they should at all. Arizona don't have their 2020 first round pick, but they do have a 2020 second rounder and their 2021 and 2022 first round picks. Um, if we are to increase our odds, odds at landing Shane Wright, I just hope the wings can take full advantage of what would be a massive opportunity for them. And I believe Eisman would do just that if the return is worthwhile. Cheers, lads. Um, LTIR's contracts are a little bit more complicated. It's not so much dead weight as like a Cody CC contract or a uh, Komarov contract or somewhere where the player is still playing. I think you'd be hard pressed to pry that first round pick from John Shaka. Um, 
would it be worth it? Yeah, absolutely. For for a second or first round pick, you know, you're you're losing the the Franzen contract off LTIR. You can fill that back up, but at the same time, you're probably going to LTIR another Red Wing at some point, statistically speaking, over the next two seasons. So, eh, would I do it for a medium, like a middling return? I'm not sure. I don't know about you guys. I, I'd rather save because obviously Illich isn't going to spend infinity dollars just to take on dead contracts. I'd rather save the uh, the Illich money for for a non LTIR contract where we actually have to pay and play them because then a team will be willing to give up more in return. Uh, Eric O says the gold plan is a terrible idea and I can't believe you guys continue to peddle it like it's the remedy to all of these draft lottery woes. It might work until a team comes along and games the shit out of it to get the top pick they wanted. The best alternative plan I've personally heard is YouTube sensation the hockey guy suggested plan. Stick with the top three picks being lottery picks. Make the lottery take into account the previous three seasons. Last place gets 10 points. Second last gets nine points. Third last gets eight points, etc. Highest score through three seasons gets top odds etc. Significantly increase the odds for the top three. Lock out a team from winning the top draft pick if they select first overall for three years. Only include 12 teams in the lottery. Uh, you want a system to prevent tanking. Well, this would eliminate it almost entirely. Obviously, it needs to be more refined than just a couple sentences worth of detail, but no team will say, oh, wow, Shane Wright looks great. Let's tank for three years to get him. Teams who need these players the most will get them over time. It would prevent future Oilers situations. It would severely reduce the odds of a perennial playoff team who has a bad year due to injuries or what have you from sneaking into the lottery and winning a top three pick. What makes you stand by the goal plan as if it's a viable option? Couldn't a GM just trade a few pieces to expedite their playoff berth elimination, then pick up a couple pending free agents uh, at the deadline to try to go on a run before anyone else can catch up? Uh, do you want to go first, Brad? Yes, desperately. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can one, hear you breathing. <laughs> yeah. One, the gold plan. I did not hear a single reason in there why you're against it uh, for whatever that's worth. It absolutely prevents tanking because if you game the system, I, I don't even know what you mean by game the system because to get mathematically eliminated first, you have to be truly terrible. But then if you're that truly terrible, well, you're not going to win a lot of games. So in, in a normal year where the Red Wings aren't so dramatically bad, most of these teams are going to get mathematically eliminated relatively close to each other, um, obviously with the weaker teams getting a bit of a head start. Um, and yeah, you'll have those one-off years where like a New Jersey is terrible and whatever, but that's going to happen. Uh, I've actually come around on the anti- uh, winning multiple lotteries because I was firmly against the team getting it multiple times. Uh, if you're truly that bad, I, I, I'm actually in favor of getting it a few times because uh, look at the Red Wings right now. If And also the biggest thing is strength of draft class matters because imagine the Red Wings are a bottom three team for the next three years. We win the draft lottery last year and get Atu Ratti, who would probably go fifth in this upcoming draft and then because of that we're eliminated from the Shane Wright contention honestly if you told me we could get Atu Ratti but then not even take Shane Wright I'd ask if we could pass on the pick truthfully um and then you factor in the the three-year plan uh one I think that would get way too complicated but obviously there's ways of tracking that which is fine but teams can get bad dramatically fast, depending on how their team ages out, how many free agents they lose. Look at now they held up well this year, but look at what happened to Columbus last year. You're telling me that 
all their superstars leave, they shouldn't have a shot at a top pick this year. The NHL changes way too rapidly to do anything in three-year intervals, so I, per- I personally don't like that idea very much at all. Um, so, uh, uh, Eric, what you outlined to me is actually, I think, also a really good plan. Um, and it, it focuses on the issues of the draft lottery more than I think the gold plan does in terms of creating a truly fair system. Uh, and that'll give credit to for sure. Um, the most attractive part to me of the gold plan outside of, um, reducing the amount of random chance that goes into who gets the top pick and the fact that it's any of these bullshit, you know, 13th or 14th best odds um getting it is uh the fact that it makes games competitive the entire season i love the idea of making like game 79 for a team that's well out of the playoffs important um and and to me that's that's an attractive thing that the nhl could do to to generate a lot of interest to create like a second tournament in the later parts of the season without formalizing a second tournament like that's something that they would love to do in terms of um creating a game within a game that said like yeah i understand people think it's gimmicky and could a gm game it by saying by tanking and then trading for pieces of the deadline yeah absolutely and then it's your job as a fan to decide whether that's something that you would appreciate as a viable strategy or something that you would think is gimmicky but is that even? I personally would think that's good strategy yeah is that even gaming the system you're giving up assets you are essentially then trading for that pick and if that trade works out in your favor well good if right now the red wings traded uh for louis erickson's contract and got thatcher demko that could be classified as gaming the system but nobody's going to view it that way so the the plan that he outlined here i also think it's really good i like the idea of taking a larger sample size where you're taking multiple seasons you set like bylines you set like uh barriers where teams past 12 can't win like yeah i think that's good i would actually restrict it to 10 but that's just me um teams can't win more than a certain number of times i would say if you have two first overall picks within the last four years you can't win again like i like those concepts like that that's another viable solution to me um i don't like that at all i like both ideas because anything is better than what happens now i really like the gold plan because if you're the kind of fan who who doesn't think that tanking and then trying to win at the end is like crappy then you would appreciate it although if you don't like it then i completely understand that as well i'm just of the mind that yeah like brad mentioned if you're going to strategically try to you know tank and then give up assets to get better later in the season that's a risk you're going to take because then if you lose you just gave up assets and then you lost out but i don't know at the very least what needs to happen is the odds for the first second and third pick need to dramatically increase for the worst teams um i think teams shouldn't be winning it more than a few times but anyways if if uh, if, if we're if the nhl is dead set on having lotteries go for maximum entertainment maximum value and actual fairness Three lies. Uh, RC Tendy says, how NHL ready are guys like Raymond Rossi, Perfetti, Stutzla, and Drysdale who would have the best chance at playing next season if the Wings drafted? I would say Stutzla and Rossi would have the best chance of playing next year. Not counting Byfield and Lafreniere yet. Those would be the two. Yeah. Um, even then, Rossi, it really depends. Like, I could very easily see that not working out. Um, Stutzler, because he plays against men in the DEL right now. Drysdale, you don't want to hang a defenseman out there to drive. It's going to be a bloodbath next year. Yeah. You don't need to do that to him. 
Uh, Darren Helm Stan Club Stan says good day dud duds with USA having their COVID per 60 off the charts and continuing to put up video game numbers every day we're staring down a reality where the league has to seriously consider how they start the 2020-2021 season gloomy part done okay only only like 90 more days until the draft which is a heck in Tuesday night or Wednesday morning on my side of the flat earth wonderful oh well plenty of time to second guess prospect analysis and deal with the euro league starting up and potentially throwing the cat amongst the pigeons for those draft eligible guys biggest potential euro riser just guess golf guy wake up mate pay attention tiger woods driver huh. heater okay he's back go biggest potential riser out of the european draft picks lucas Raymond. Easy. I mean, I think... What's he going to rise? Like one spot? I think if he gets into a top six role in a, on for London next year, he will put up huge numbers and people will start talking about him at two. I genuinely believe that as well. Um, I think that is going to happen after we come to terms with the fact that not only is Raymond probably the best pick for Detroit at four, but he's maybe even a better pick than Stutzel at three like that. I'm not saying that's what I think necessarily right now, but that's, that's just how it's all going to shake out. And then um, hockey's going to start in Europe and then he's going to absolutely crush it with, like you said, bigger ice time. And then teams are going to be like, Ooh, this guy's a cheat code. We're drafting him. It could also go the other way for Raymond as well, because from all accounts for Lund is still supposed to be very good. So he might still play nine minutes a game. And then does that make you think anyways? Uh, Alex Holtz to me is another guy who has the potential to rise uh, quite a bit. And then um, Yaroslav Askarov as well. I think if he starts off hot, you see a team do something. I won't say stupid, but interesting. Um, do, 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 jersey time. Best IHL jersey of all time. That isn't the Vipers. There can only be one. Choose wisely. I'd be Can't, lying if I said I could remember another IHL team at this point. I'm having a hard time remembering a lot of them, but it's got to be the Orlando Solar Bears, right? I I think I vaguely remember a team called the Roadrunners that wasn't too bad, but I I'm I don't remember shit. Orlando Solar Bears uh was one, Utah Grizzlies was one. The Solar Bears had a few jerseys, but I remember one like really gaudy one with like a massive polar bear with like sunglasses, I believe. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that one. I thought awesome. that was ECHL, but no, if that was IHL, that's the winner. Was that ECHL or IHL? Anyways. And then there is let me look this up. There's some good uh, jerseys. LA Ice Dogs, that's what it is. Yeah, they have a cool one with like paws on the sleeves. It's gaudy as hell. That's what I got. If it's not the solar bears, then it's the ice dogs. Remember when it's time, when it's the middle of a pandemic to use organic, ethically sourced, stay fresh cheese bags to cover your face, to protect you and your fellow humans. Stay fresh cheese bags, a Fournier company committed to fighting COVID-19. Uh, Steve E asks, will any Red Wings aside from Larkin make it an Olympic roster? Heronic, maybe? Uh, Larkin, Heronic, Cider. Heronic. I would think Heronic, Zadina, and Cider would be damn near locks because those are yeah. not deep hockey countries. <laughs> Zadina. Um, Mantha, uh, I think, has an outside shot yeah. of Team Canada, depending on how he does. I was just going to say that. Um, beyond that, uh, no. that Those are the only options. Uh, well, whoever they, whoever they take at fourth. <laughs> yeah, if they take Stutzla, he's definitely going. Um, and Rossi, too, uh, won't be there because I don't think Austria qualified. Dylan Krill says, hey, guys, if I can go, if you could go to your dream concert, who would be the two opening acts and who would be the headliner? Artist or group, dead or alive. Thanks. Oh, man. Well, we got to go. God, well, I Run the a- Jewels, Rage Against the Machine was going to be a show, so I'm pretty pissed that's not happening. Oh, that would have been good. Like, 
for me, Linkin Park would have to be the headliner just because they're like, I've been listening to them for so long and to see how they're doing their shows now is so cool. Um, cause like, God, I've been listening to Linkin Park for like 21 years. That feels weird to say. Um, I've seen Kendrick Lamar before. I thought he was an amazing live. And then I'd probably just pick two of my shitty indie bands that I listened to to open. You guys aren't going to like this. I know I'm going to get made fun of for it, but I'd kill to see the Beatles live, but not with like uh. the screaming. I heard their shit. I heard they were shit live too, but like, I don't know. I, you got to see the Beatles, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Yako Ruta says, well, hello there. Let us play the future fan favorite. Should the Red Wings acquire this overpaid player? This week, we'll look at some players. I'll give you the cap hit in years remaining after this one. You say if the Red Wings should acquire this player. Alex Steen, one year at 5.75. No. Yes. Yes, for the right price. Jake Allen, one year at 4.35. Yes, that solves two problems. Yeah. Yes. Andrew Ladd, four years at five and a half. Good no. God, no. <laughs> God. Cal Clutterbuck, two years at three and a half. Sure. Would need to be a decent return. Yeah, that Johnny, he, at three and a half, we're not likely getting a big return. Johnny Boychuk, two years at six million. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. 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 Ugh. We're not doing much for two years. I have to see the trade. Nick Letty, two years at five and a half. Yeah. Sure. Thomas Hickey, two years at two and a half. Yeah. yeah. Louis Erickson, two years at six million. Yeah, because that means Detroit got something great in return. That's yeah. probably the favorite because that will get us a big damn return. Same vein, Brandon Sutter, one year at 4.375. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, the, you want to answer want all these is for the right price. Yeah. Except for Lad. Good God. No. Yeah. Two no, years God. is the most I would do. And the more money we can get. Like, Louis Erickson makes the most money, has two years left. And isn't objectively good anymore. He will get the biggest return. He is the prize jewel of the bad contracts to acquire. On that note, Kwaz says, I actually hope, um, I always say Kwaz, but it's Quaz. I know because it's part of his last name. It's Quaz. Uh, I actually hope we take on Louis Erickson's contract. That would be an upgrade for this landfill blaze and leveraging that cap space. So guys, I am now an uncle to a beautiful baby girl. Hey, congratulations. Aw. And here's the thing. Mom is a Pens fan. Oh. Ew. Sorry to hear. Kids are uh, impressionable. You have time. And well, my family ain't. Her maternal grandmother got some Penguins clothes for her. It's only natural that I get Red Wings clothes for her. Brad, any website suggestions for such things? Yeah, if you go to wingwheelpodcast.com and go to the shop page, we sell onesies. Baby there onesies. you go. Uh, yeah, I haven't actually bought any kids clothes online. It's all been either at the LCA or locally. I mean, I work uh, for a company that sells this kind of stuff, so... <laughs> last thing flying formation through thick clouds can get sketchy fast i did that two days ago and oh boy was it sporty hey man whenever you're allowed to bring in random civilians onto your fighter jets let us know no no yes, no please i would do that you, you wouldn't do it brad sure. nope no chance come on nope that would be and a I, great I, way to go and and it's funny too because like i'm not generally scared of speed or heights but yet no so but you are then yeah, kind of, yeah. How are you on airplanes? Fine. Totally cool. It's just the concept of like fighter jets, like Blue Angels, that kind of stuff. You don't like it? Yep, exactly. All right. We're, we're going to set this up. Um, 
we will set it up for some point. Lauren T says, uh, I think one of the only good things about our team situation right now is how much cap space we have. You guys have talked about how Eisenman White might want to take on some bad contracts to get some extra draft picks or other incentives, but do you think it's realistic he would try and go for some free agents that might be looking for a new team? I personally love to see him take a swing for Tyson Berry, seeing as the dude can barely catch a break in Toronto. Thoughts on that? Um, I, I wasn't looking at Brad at the moment, uh, so I'm sure he was just either shaking his head or he got distracted. Uh, Did- I, I I wouldn't want any kind of long-term or high-dollar commitment to anyone, but if it's legitimately just like something like Tyson Berry wants to go somewhere for a half-decent cap number and uh, he can at least help this team out in terms of like giving the young guys someone half decent to play with. That's something I'm actually in favor of because let's be real. Tyson Berry is not going to push this team. Like if Tyson Berry played on these Detroit Red Wings of this past season, the Red Wings would finish 31st still. He doesn't push them over the edge. This team is a far away from viable. So that's the kind of contract where a, like it keeps him away from other teams that need him, which, you know, cut off the nose despite the face. Actually, it doesn't make sense. He's, he's a good player. Um, as long as it's not long, long term, and as long as it's not like insanely high dollar where you sacrifice cap space that could have gone elsewhere, then I'm in favor. It's just the circumstances under the, the where you would get to that would be, it's not likely. Like players don't want to go to bad teams for low money. It's just not how NHL works. Although, if you ever want a crazy world ending situation where that might be the case, COVID 19 has you covered. Um, okay. I, uh, going back to our fighter jet story. Uh, this is too good there's actually a fighter jet in waterloo that offers it oh brad take a guess how much it costs for 45 minutes 45 minutes you have to buy 45 do you know how much fuel that is that's in a grand oh at least okay so the price to do it for 45 minutes is thirty five (gasps) hundred dollars I'm happy we're poor, so you can't make me do that. And <laughs> even if you tried to, even if you paid it, I still wouldn't do it. Even if we, even if Evan and I both paid one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars of our own money, you wouldn't do it. No. I'm mad that you got that sweet. Someone's price. gonna do a Kickstarter, go fund me for this. <laughs> I'll I'll take the money and spend it on booze. Uh, birthday boy Trev says, "What's the most Canadian thing you guys have ever done? Any moments where you stopped yourself and realized how much of a cliche you were being? Passed out drunk in a snowbank while playing pond hockey. Uh, drove up north to get a canoe for camping and saw a moose on the drive home. That's easily the most Canadian thing. Yeah. Um, and basically, whenever you go camp, whether you're not, you're like a hardcore like interior Canadian. Like when you go camping, it all comes out of you. Like." I'm from Windsor. It's I'm closer to Detroit, Michigan than any other Canadian city. My accent was more like neutral American Michigan than it was like Northern Canadian. The I only really picked up like the aboot and the the heavy Canadian stuff when I moved further up. Um, but yeah, when I go camping, it's like straight up opening beers with my teeth, flannel shirts, saying "Oh yeah, bud," like stuff like that. It's not good. Um, Jake Nagy says, if each of the top draft candidates for the wings was a pizza, what pizza would they be? For example, Rossi is a small but artisan pie that experts are obsessed with, but casual pizza fans say too big of a price for something small. <laughs> That's actually really good. That's No one wants answer. to pay more for the wood-fired pizza. How about Perfetti, Raymond, or Drysdale? Um, Perfetti is... 
and I'm not saying this because I, I'm not saying I don't like Perfetti, but Perfetti is a a pizza with that's objectively good with just like a, a non-traditional sauce. It's like a white sauce pizza with like, I'll say it, grilled chicken, some spinach, some onions, just a bracket. I don't understand that reference at all. I was well, going to say Perfetti is the pizza with pineapple because depending who you talk to, they either love it or hate it. Not many people fall in the middle. I was going to put Drysdale's pineapple. No, who doesn't like Drysdale? It's just a matter of, eh, is he that high on our list? He's the pepperoni oh, pizza. Everybody objectively likes him, but to varying degrees. Yeah, and then you say, do you take do you take the pepperoni pizza over the like artisan margarita that you have here with um, Rossi? Yeah, no, I agree. What about Raymond? Uh, Raymond is the the deluxe pizza. It's got all the toppings. Uh, but when everything has all the toppings, it means that there's probably going to be onions on there. So some people <laughs> will hate it. No, it's all the toppings. But if you're getting any kind of deluxe or loaded pizza, it is it lives and dies by the quality of the pizza place you're getting it from. If they have shit ingredients, they make a shit pizza, then you just got more garbage. But if they have good ingredients and you get the nice bacon that like crisps up a little bit and you got like fresh mushrooms, not like the canned garbage, like, oh, that's when you get into the good stuff. Good question. Uh, Cameron Mugford, who I believe is a new patron. Yeah, he is. Welcome to the Dub Dub family, Cameron. He says, long time listener, first time Patreon subscriber. I had to support the show because you guys provide awesome Red Wings content in a not so awesome time to be a Wings fan, though things are looking up, I hope. For this upcoming draft, is there any logic to the Red Wings taking Askarov at four? With no clear goalie coming up at the position uh, and it's so weak for them, or if four is too rich for a goalie, do you see any chance they trade down to eight or nine to pick up an additional asset and Askarov? Uh, I view the second option as way more likely than the first. So I'm going to get two things because we're going to get this question. I know 900 times between now, uh, a million trade down scenarios um, short of getting next year's first round pick from a bad team. I don't think there's a trade down scenario that Eisenman's going to entertain. Um, there is logic in getting Askarov, but not at four um, because as teams are proving now and Time and time again, you can get at pretty good goalies cheap and stack the rest of your roster and be fine. Um, the teams that generally tend to pay $10 million for an elite goalie uh, don't do well. Not a great idea. So on the, in the same breath, you don't invest uh, a high, high value asset like a fourth overall pick on a goalie, no matter how good that goalie is. Because I'm not saying Askarov's not good. But no, that's not something I'm I'm a fan of doing. So last year, there was a invisible cutoff after Alex Turcotte, who went fifth um, right before Detroit drafted six overall. I would have still ranked Zegras high enough to make it worthwhile for the Red Wings to take him instead of exploring trading down. But they obviously didn't think as highly of him or any of the other players available. So what they did was try to trade down because they they said, if we don't get, you know, players what like one through four even if they ranked Turcotte up there then they knew they wanted more at cider so they tried to trade down ended up not being able to like more it's more than anyone else zegris included and took him so draft capital or value versus your capital was it the best deal no but at the end of the day you want to pick your guy and that's you have to respect your gm stands by that this draft i don't think is composed the same way i think you have to go much further down before you get to that like alex Turcotte invisible cutoff Raymond, Rossi, Drysdale, all of these guys are well within that range in my mind where I don't view it as likely as for Eisenman to trade down. But you never know. If they're in love with Askarov and they think he's going to be the next Dom, like, yeah. 
Uh, Jeremy Dahl says, okay, Brad, I love you, but pronouncing trebuchet the way you did was one of the dumber things you've said on this podcast. I forgot about that. <laughs> You're oh, no, I have a pretty face. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm just bitter. We lost a draft lottery and fell down the most slots we possibly could. Oh my God. We lost a draft lottery again. The only thing easing the pain is my Red Wings, uh, anonymous self-help group in the Winged Wheel podcast. Sigh. I even start to see this rad new girl. Can't call her my girlfriend yet. Hope too soon. And she is Christian AF. So I got to pray all week leading up. We would win <laughs> first overall. She was a great sport, but God in his infinite wisdom decided that fourth overall is much better. So this is divine intervention, fellas. Anyways, thanks for the joy. I get twice a week from your shows. Um, you are fun and clever and wonderful and really, really good at this. I listen to a lot of podcasts and you are no slouches. Definitely make it feel like listening to the bunch of friends talk. Uh, just shoot the shit. So thank you. Jeremy, that means a lot. And thank you so much for opening by making fun of Brad. Um, Michael Barry says, Ryan, what do you think of Brad's take that if we should trade for Louis Erickson, we should get Thatcher Demko? Personally, I think goalies are way too risky, especially at the prospect level and would rather trade for their first round pick either next year or year after. Um, I'm happy with any scenario. I think Demko has shown enough in my mind where it's less of a risk. Um, and with Demko, you don't have to spend draft capital to try and pick up a goalie. You have someone who... And all, how how old is Thatcher Demko? Uh, twenty three ish, I think. He's he's not. So he's not hitting his peak for probably until the Red Wings come out of their rebuild. So it lines up well. Cap space is a valuable weapon, and I'm not saying it wouldn't be better used to get first round picks. But if you can squeeze Thatcher Demko, use your cap space to um, weaponize that, and then not have to spend any draft capital to draft your next goalie. There's risk. For sure, there's risk. Demko could be a dud. But at the end of the day, you lost cap space, and that's not going to hurt your franchise. Essentially, you lose opportunity cost. Is it risk-free? No, of course not. But at the same time, I I would agree with Brad's take that it would be well worthwhile. Would I prefer a 2022 first-round pick? Yeah, yeah. But how good is that pick going to be? Because Vancouver is front-loading. They're, they're essentially doing what Detroit was and doing in like 2012, 2013. Although maybe not because they're landing a lot of high-end young talent. So All their key pieces are under the age of 25. I'm not betting on Vancouver getting bad. Joseph Fournier says, choo-choo all aboard the Jamie Drysdale train. Charging like a Clydesdale, ringing up a fire sale. Please don't open my mail. Give it up for Drysdale. By the way, when people said they wanted Detroit to win the lottery so they could send Zadina and Mantha to the podium to announce Lafreniere as the pick, that was the moment the universe decided Montreal was winning the draft lottery and Detroit was picking fourth. Interesting take on uh, Hockey Central. LA mate rake Stutzla over Byfield given their style of play. Tinfoil hat theory. If Ottawa wants a forward and a defenseman at three and five and thinks Detroit would take Drysdale at four and bets on their local darling Rossi dropping to five, then they could take Drysdale at three, freeing up Eisman to select Byfield at four if the LA Stutzla scenario plays out. But who knows? Anything could happen. Either way, a really good player is coming to Detroit. Stay fresh, cheese bags. If by if Byfield goes fourth and Detroit drafts him, I will jump out of the window. I'll bring yes. him to the table. Okay, without a doubt. Uh, C nods says, "Where would you place Hronik in the draft? Looking back at it, he was a second rounder, is looking like a solid puck mover, smooth skater, and all around top four, eating a ton of minutes for Detroit." I would guess a mid-first rounder. I'm a big fan of his game, and when he was on the ice, had just the slightest bit more confidence than any other defenseman this year. Well, that's not saying much. Also, let's say we pick Drysdale and he pans out. Is Hironic, uh He pans out as Hironic 
you could see on the move since his value is high right now in and in the near, near future. He's asking if they draft Drysdale and he pans out, could Hironic be on the move? So where uh, would Hironic go in a redraft and could he be traded? So in a redraft, I mean, I just pulling up hockey DB here. Uh, Hironic is top twenty in scoring for that draft, like total, not top twenty defensive. Uh, yeah. So when you when you get a defenseman that high on that list this shortly, he's probably a top fifteen pick. Honestly, you take like him I, over Tychus Tyson Jost. You take him over Chikrin, right? Uh, you could make the case. Yeah, Chikrin's played double the games Heronik has, and Heronik's only twenty six points behind him. So uh, I think yeah, you probably draft him over. Just looking at the people who have more, maybe Jesper Bratt. Chicker yeah. and Jost. So yeah, he's he's probably around fifteen in a redraft. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken's only had the highest point total he's had is twenty six in a season and Heronik's already had thirty one. And, and remember, Heronik's the pick we got Heronik with was the sweetener that we got to get Chicken. We still got Jalowski out of that trade. Yeah. I again like they're not the same style of player but yeah Hironic is not a second round pick and a lot of teams are looking at Hironic the same way they're looking at Larkin which is envious of Detroit with the value they got for the pick so you know you'd be mad that Datsuk's legacy is ruined or whatever but <laughs> for different reasons um but that was a great deal that Ken Holland made one of his I, like that's one of the hallmark deals that you throw in the face of people like me who say that he wasn't a good GM down the line like at towards the latter stages of his career all right. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast. Um, we'll be back with you on Sunday. Um, hopefully by then we have a solid CBA to talk to you about. We'll be doing a little bit more intentional stuff with our prospect profiles. Um, we'll be doing more salary cap things. Um, Evan's going to do a handstand and Brad is going to speak entirely in Yiddish. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you all for supporting the show. Our patrons, our name level sponsors, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins, Greech, Jeremiah Adobo, Jake Kiefer, Arjun Shanker, Drunky the Dwarf, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al Qasem, Charlie Elkins, Han Ali, Birthday Boy Trev, Chris Ripley, Alex Ott, um, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kwaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. I have to go teach Brad Yiddish. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.